This best of bad crypto episode features none other than William Quigley, the founder of Wax. And on June 24th, 2019, we released episode number 279, talking about the big business of virtual items. And if you look back from when this interview happened to what happened to Wax and how big the marketplace is on Wax and the number of daily transactions, I think you're going to be blown away. Pretty impressive stuff, huh, Trev? Right. Now, there's a lot of brands that jumped on board on Wax. And, you know, we like to attribute it all because of this episode, right, Joel? This, yeah, we, this we, right here was the episode that made it all happen. We did it. We're taking all the credit. <laughs> and by listening, you can take credit as well. So as we vacay and recharge and refresh, we present you with episode 279, from June 24th, 2019. If you aren't into gaming, you might not be aware that every year, millions of people buy, sell, and trade virtual items online. In-game currency, virtual weapons or armor, and character skins are just some of the digital items that people buy with real-world currency. Well, the Worldwide Asset Exchange, or WAX, gives people access to a global community of collectors and traders, buyers and sellers, creators and gamers, merchants, dApp creators, and game developers. Today, we welcome William Quigley of WAX to the show to discuss this powerful platform. And we're also pleased to welcome back Mr. Adam Williams of Evolve Events. He's here to talk about World Crypticon in Las Vegas. That's right, we're going to be having Heading back to the Cosmopolitan Hotel this year, the very last week of October, to perform Bad Crypto Live once again, and you don't want to miss it. So it's time for a waxing, just not a Brazilian, on episode number 279 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Hello, friends. It's a happy day in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia and Joel Com here with Travis Wright, who's just back from his Brazilian waxing. Just the wax, ma'am. Just the wax. <laughs> I just thought of the scene from the uh, the 40-year-old virgin oh, man. where he has his chest waxed. That looks so painful. I've never had any waxing of any type. That seems like that would be enormously saddening to me. That would be painful. That's not my jam. No, I mean, I, I've gotten the wax out of my ears, but that's about it. That's true. Well, not always. I've it's a good friend. Some. I've seen some. I, I save it. You never know when you're going to need <laughs> a, a candle, a candle and a wick. Yeah. You know, let's say the electricity goes out. What are you going to do? Mm. All right. So anything's possible. Uh, we do have William Quigley of Wax on today and also going to bring Adam Williams from World Crypticon on. But first, want to give a shout out to our show sponsor. So listen up, everybody. Tune your ears in because Blue Share Security Tokens provide exposure to a construction business that's got 23 years of proven experience. They've got a pipeline of natural resources, mining, and exploration projects. And what they're doing is offering shares, their BST tokens, using Ethereum smart contracts. They've got mining concessions with a forecasted worth of $4.3 billion. That's a lot of, you know, a lot of cheddar right there. They've got $300 million 
tokenized shares in all on their shares of the company Interprom Mining AG. So when you have blue share tokens, you have dividend rights and ownership title. They're available for purchase right now. They started the token sale on May 6th, so it goes on for 90 days from there. You do the math. The website to go check it out, do your own due diligence, and check out what they are doing is blueshare.io. Blueshare.io. Not red share, not violet share, not chartreuse mm. share. It's blue share. That was supposed to be originally. Great stuff. Well, Mr. Travis Wright, you know I am into the gaming and the virtual goods, I have paid real-world money for Pixels before, and that's what we're going to talk about today in our interview with William Quigley of Wax. So let's go there now. It's just right down the street. Mm-hmm. Just walk out your door, go down the street, and you'll find just listen. Just listen. Or just listen. As we talk about putting stuff on blockchain, there's an increase in virtual goods, collectibles, skins for games and esports, and and many more ideas. And one of the places that is on the front lines of doing this is a company called WAX. It actually stands for the Worldwide Asset Exchange. And we're fortunate to have with us today William Quigley, the CEO of wax who i understand is also a fan of the show welcome to bad crypto william thank you yeah i i am a fan of the show and uh i love talking about blockchain and crypto how long you been listening well i've only been listening for maybe about six months but for some reason i thought your show had been around for like five years or something because i've heard about you guys for so long but you told me just about two years that's true so wax wax stands for Worldwide Asset Exchange. I thought yeah. I thought we were going to talk about bikini waxing, Brazilian waxing. How, I don't know. This well, uh, landing uh, strip waxing. Yeah, it's different. You know, I used to worry that when we came up with the name Wax, that uh, if the Wax token was like getting beat up in price, people would say Wax is melting. Uh, but no one has ever said that. So um, you you just uh, did. So it's <laughs> good. This is the Brazilian yeah. Wax episode of Bad Crypto. Yeah. Well, it's full disclosure here. I am hodling wax. I'm waxling, I suppose you could say, because, uh, you know, the people who listen to the show know that I'm an old school gamer. And I remember in Team Fortress 2 when they started selling hats in the game and game developers figured out, oh, you know what? People will spend real world money on these, you know, pixels, basically is is all it is and now it's a massive industry right with so many games Uh, so maybe kind of give us an overview of the the virtual goods world sure sure so uh and and team fortress 2 is uh is one of the uh, skin categories that we uh, allowed people to buy and sell on op skins which is a marketplace for trading these skins so let me give you a like a condensed version of uh of the skin virtual item world going back to kind of when it began. So in the late 90s, uh, there was a video game, one of the first that created virtual items, but it was the most popular. It was called um, Ultima Online. Some of you guys might remember it. I do, yeah. Yeah, one, uh, my partner, Jonathan Yantis, not at the time, 
created the first marketplace in the world that allowed people to buy these Ultima online uh, virtual items for fiat, for money. And uh, he wanted to, he had a bunch of these, these virtual items. He wanted to, to trade them, to make money on them, and realized there was no place to do it. So he created a, a marketplace, and it became a very, very big marketplace, billions of dollars of, of transaction volume. He, at the time, and this would be from, let's say, late 90s to about 2010, uh, we were in the era of virtual items. And I'm making a distinction between virtual items and skins. So virtual items are little objects. Uh, they can be the, the attire you wear in a game or, or a sword or a shield. But virtual items are things that give you utility in the game. Right, You can actually do better in the game. You're more likely to win when you buy virtual items. At the time, let's say 2010, uh, the market for virtual items for people trading them was between 10 and maybe 15 billion uh, a year. Not bad, right? 10 and 15 billion a year. When skins came around, skins are virtual items that are strictly of cosmetic value. They have no utility. They don't allow you to do anything better in a game. But you can change outfits. When skins became popular, uh, the market exploded. It turned out people will buy a limited number of things that are for a particular purpose. You know, you need one pair of snowshoes, but how many ties do you need, right? So when things are strictly of a cosmetic nature, you will buy a lot of them. And so the video game world globally has really uh, propelled forward from 2010 all around the the sale of these things called skins. And we are now at a point where skins uh, are probably a $50 billion, maybe now even bigger secondary market uh, globally each year. But also video game industry sells about $100 billion a year of these directly to consumers before they go and they trade them. So $100 billion a year across the world a video gamers acquiring these skins. And once you've spent a hundred billion, you might want to trade it for something. And that is this world of, uh, of uh, skin trading, which now we've brought to the blockchain. <laughs> the skin trade. That sounds resorted. I just want to add here, you know, for the audience as a gamer, when we're talking skins, we're talking really any virtual in-game assets. For example, yeah. in the game Overwatch, there's loot boxes. And a loot box not only could have a different skin for your character, but emotes, like different dances or voice lines or sprays, you know, that you can spray on the walls. So there's a lot of different virtual goods that you find in these games. It's not just the outfit that you wear. Well, that, yeah, so it's very true. It, it's uh, almost as, for whatever your imagination can imagine, that's uh, a skin type you could have. What has been now added to all of this has been the concept of rarity, where different innovative video game manufacturers started to think about, what if we limited the numbers of this type of skin? Or what if we used a certain color palette that was more rare? And when you get one of those skins, there's fewer of them. They're more coveted. Uh, they're worth more. And just like back in the day, people got rare baseball cards. And then what did they do with them? They traded them. Uh, this is an inevitable outcome of having different rarity levels 
and the different desirability levels of these skins, people get them and they want to start trading. And it's really the glue that connects lots of these massive online video games. Uh, people play them from a, around the world. There can be a million people playing a game at any given time. And one of the communal activities they like to do is to swap out these different virtual items, these skins. Uh, sometimes they just want to barter them, and sometimes they'd actually like cash. Mm -hmm. If you want cash, uh, you might go to Opskins. That's uh, a company we run where we allow you to buy and sell skins. like It's like eBay, but for uh, virtual items. And, uh, and then in 2017, we decided that it was time for a bunch of reasons to put all of this activity on a blockchain. And that became Wax. Well, that's interesting. Well, full disclosure, I don't have any Wax, um, just so you know. <laughs> I'm not a big gamer, okay. but um, but uh, I, I'm curious about this. So now when you're talking about these skins, I know my kids, they love to play Fortnite. And those skins and those dance moves and all those things that people can do are, you know, interesting. And they love they love that whole thing. And so is is that type of thing uh, or, or or Fortnite or any of those other sort of popular mainstream games, are those available on Wax as well? Or are you just partnered with third party? Yeah, not yet. So uh, the uh, I've been, you know, a venture capitalist for a couple of decades and been uh, making a lot of consumer product investments and, and incubating a lot of consumer product companies. And what I would say is whenever a new technology comes around, the uh, people who adopt it first are usually new to an industry, just like when, uh, you know, the browser and the internet became available. Walmart didn't jump in day one, but a new company, Amazon did. And that's for a bunch of reasons, not the least of which is the new guy has a lot less to worry about and a lot less to risk. Well, when it comes to things like blockchain-based gaming, uh, the um, it's small indie game developers who've embraced it first which is in keeping with how technologies get adopted. Once the technology seems to be here to stay, that's when the bigger incumbent companies say, maybe we should take a look. Same thing happened with mobile gaming, right? It was companies like Zynga that started. And then eventually you had mainstream, larger video game companies saying, all right, this is a platform that's going to be around. We should build on it. That's not yet happened in the blockchain video gaming era. And I didn't think it would yet. It was going to take several years. And there's a bunch of reasons. Uh, and on this podcast, it's probably uh, beyond the scope of our discussion, except to say that there are fundamental problems with allowing people, making it easy for people to trade these video game skins in most blockchains. Uh, you know, we, we initially launched our blockchain-based skin trading uh, system on Ethereum. And I love Ethereum for many, many reasons. It's a, it's a wonderful platform for being able to do lots of things that you couldn't do in an internet-based environment. But uh, the transaction speeds and the cost of Ethereum, particularly prior to some recent upgrades, it, it was uneconomical. Uh, you know, uh, 10 to 15 transactions a second for the entire platform and uh, up to 25, 30 cents per transaction. Now, if you think about 
what it takes to send a, a virtual item to somebody on the internet, it's essentially free. There's no cost. Uh, so doing this trading on a blockchain, while there's great benefits to doing it, one is that people can actually own the items outright if they own them on a blockchain. If you have a, a, if you have a Fortnite uh, virtual item, that's not yours. You're licensing that from Fortnite and they can take it back anytime they want. A lot of people would like, if they're going to pay real money for this, they'd like to actually own it. And the only way to do that is to put it on a blockchain. I, I want to really understand this. I'm looking at opskins.com right now, and I see that people are buying all kinds of things, not just digital goods, but physical goods also right. um, on here. This this appears to be big business. And, uh, you know, obviously you're a private company. You don't have to share numbers, but I'm I'm wondering um, you know, just how much business is taking place through this site? Like is, are, are people buying stuff every second of every day? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, no, it's a, it's a massive business that, uh, uh, almost all the companies in this industry are private. So it's, it's, uh, you have to do some, uh, some work to figure out how big that market is, but it's, uh, we think it's roughly around 50 billion globally. And uh, of of people buying and selling, some of that is done through through platforms like uh, Reddit and and video game platforms, right? Discord. People are just doing it, but peer to peer. And then some of that is done on formal marketplaces like ours. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's big. You know. Well, okay, but so here's what I don't billion, understand, billion. William. I'm looking at the site and I see people buying stuff for fiat currency, but I see up at the top Wax Express Trade. Is that where the the blockchain part comes in here with the token? Yes, it is. Yeah, and I should say uh, the Wax uh, blockchain is launching on June 30th, uh, 2019. So at the time of this recording, it's about a month away. So. The actual launch of the big blockchain that allows for a, a bunch of cool stuff, which I'll talk about in a second, is about a month away. Right now, we're using what you might call like a, a beta version of that. And uh, if you want to trade your virtual items, what you would use is something called Wax Express Trade, which um, for those on the podcast who have, uh, who have ever used uh, the Steam client, Steam is that platform for those who don't know who uh, uh, you can buy video games on the Steam platform. You can also trade virtual items in the Steam platform. So the Wax blockchain is enabling you to do a similar functionality. You know, in an ideal world, you might be able to use your phone and just text message somebody a virtual item. Uh, you can't do that yet. You need a little client in order to transfer this stuff. Today, that's called Wax Express Trade. And it's very easy to do. You know, you take your virtual item that's in your little virtual item wallet on Wax Express Trade, and uh, you can make an offer to somebody. You can say, hey, I want to trade you this skin for that skin. If they accept it, it's done automatically through a smart contract, and uh, everybody got what they wanted. No transaction fees for doing that. And I think uh, uh, to put this in perspective, we have on the beta version of the Wax blockchain, we have two dApps, you know, distributed application, one called Vigo and one called Viral. They're both in the like the virtual item business. We have done in, in less than a year of those two dApps working, we've probably done 90 million trades. Now, 
I haven't done the math uh, yet, but I, I believe that's probably more trades for NFTs. These are called non-fungible tokens. Uh, that's probably more than the combined rest of all of the blockchain video games and maybe even a multiple of all of the trades all of those video games have done. And uh, by the way, it's very, very simple to understand why very few people are trading these virtual items. A lot of, hopefully you're, some of your listeners have heard of something called uh, CryptoKitties, right? That's a blockchain video game and you have wow. these little uh, uh, kitties. Wow. Yeah, there you go. That you can trade back and forth. Travis, uh, Travis was into it, but he like, lost his kitties. Like he loses all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, no, my computer, my literally, my computer cool. crashed the day after we bought Crypto Kitties, and then my I just set up that MetaMask, and I hadn't had anything backed up, uh, and my computer just literally uh, the hard drive, and not the hard drive, the whole processor thing. But but Travis has actually gone down okay, the well. the rabbit hole a little bit because he encountered Major League Baseball's new uh, non fungible game, mm-hmm. and we've both been buying players and and playing that game so uh yeah crypto kitties was kind of like the first generation game and now they're getting more sophisticated yeah and now there's there are thousands of these blockchain video games and let's be clear to the audience it's it's a video game with one twist and that twist is the virtual items can be traded most most video games don't let you trade the virtual items and you own them uh, if the video game were to shut down, you would still own your virtual item. So that's to a lot of people who collect this stuff and uh, and and who uh, like to trade, they like the idea of owning it versus leasing it from a video game company that can that can shut it down anytime they want. But you mentioned something called MetaMask. So I would say one of the real issues with adoption of NFTs these non-fungible tokens, is the way the consumer actually engages with these things. Today, you use MetaMask if they're an Ethereum-based NFT, and you would use Scatter if it's an EOS blockchain-based NFT. And I don't mean to criticize the guys who built these things because blockchain's complicated, but the user experience is um, is not it's very confusing. good. It's confusing. If you don't know what you're really doing, if you're a noob... And you're trying to like, and you're trying to get set up on Scatter or or MetaMask the first time. It's like you're reading Chinese. Yeah, we went through for Scatter. I think uh, we went through all the steps, and there were 34 steps from getting your Scatter wallet to actually having your token, your your NFT. And it's about 15 steps for MetaMask, and it's um, you know it's not consumer friendly. So our view was. Let's make it super intuitive for people to register for a blockchain account. I mean, that alone is really difficult because you've got to go through these things called MetaMask and and Scatter. And until you have, let's call those browsers, until you have the equivalent of the Netscape browser or the Chrome browser, something really easy for people to get. You're not going to get mainstream adoption because it's too complicated. It's like command line interface stuff. So we built Wax Express Trade to fulfill that problem where it's you see all your NFTs, you click a button, you say transfer, and it just gets sent. Uh, We also built, frankly, a whole suite of microservices. And uh, our view was blockchain 
is not enough. The blockchain's cool and it does some great stuff, but it needs a bunch of other components for consumers to start embracing blockchain-based gaming. First and foremost, the account creation. The easiest would be a uh, an OAuth uh, sign-in, like click on your your Facebook or, or, or Google or your Steam credentials, and we've all used that, right? You go into a website, even PayPal, you just log into that website using your Facebook, Google, or whatever credentials. So we created that. So now you can get a blockchain account just by using your Gmail credentials. Click on the, the button and you're registered. And then for anybody who is trying to actually trade these things, we made the interface very simple. What you'd probably expect on a mobile application. Here's the sender. Uh, here's the item, click send. We've tried to make it as simple as we can. So when we launch the WAX blockchain, we are going to have these services set up, the account creation, the, the, uh, the item transferring. And then, of course, probably one of the most important things is uh, there's something when you want to look at a transaction on the blockchain, you look at something called a, a block explorer. I'm sure you guys have probably covered this topic at some point in your crypto conversations. But the block explorer is just how you look at a blockchain. Think of like putting a, a browser on the blockchain and you can see transactions going by. Well, that's fine if they're like just fungible tokens and you don't really care what a one Ethereum looks like versus another. They're just digits. But for a non-fungible token, it's a graphical image, right? You would like to see what you bought. You would like to see what does that crypto kitty look like in all of its three-dimensional, colorful, you know, glory. So we created a block explorer that allows you to see a three-dimensional model of your NFT. You can also see who else has owned it, uh, what they paid for it, how long they held it. These are all the, the statistics that we took from Opskins because this is how people trade stuff. They want to look at the object because they're buying a visual object. That's what these virtual items are. You know, they're, they're, they're digital artwork. And so wouldn't you want to inspect it up close? And wouldn't you want an ability, if you could, to see what's been the market of this thing? How many people owned it? You know, what is its price history? So we built all of these applications onto the WAX blockchain. So the WAX blockchain is purpose-built for digital goods. And there just wasn't any blockchain out there that did that. So we did because there was nothing else we could use. Frankly, if there had been another blockchain we could have used, we would have used it. Uh, but you know, the blockchains were either too slow or they didn't have the consumer convenience services that are just necessary for blockchain to go mainstream. And it's really nice to be harnessing all of the enthusiasm around video gaming because there's like 2 billion people on the earth who play video games. So it's a good way to on-ramp lots of people onto all the wonders of blockchain technology. And so that's sort of wax in a, in a nutshell. You know, it's just a, it's a service layer in addition to the blockchain that allows it to be very easy to set up an account. Like EOS, your audience probably knows EOS. It's kind of crazy. Uh, with EOS, you if you don't have EOS, the EOS currency, uh, you cannot create an EOS account. 
And to create an EOS account, you need the currency. So there's this catch-22 problem. And you would literally have to either go to some third-party service to give you an EOS account, or you would have to ask a friend to create an account on your behalf if your friend already had an account and had some EOS. That is not a great way to get a lot of people to use your platform, which is why a year after EOS was launched, it's got what, you know, maybe a a million accounts, a million two accounts, and maybe 100,000 or 200,000 that are active. It's very hard to get viral adoption of something when you uh, uh, when you make people pay to register. Yeah. You know, if Facebook wouldn't be very big. And so this is a uh, these are the sort of the growing pains of blockchain that we're trying to uh, to improve upon. Well, to be fair, I mean, EOS does have like today it has 18.5 million transactions that's gone through on the blockchain. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm looking at blocktivity.info. Well, 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 that's a. Yeah. I, I know. Well, those are not those are not transactions. Okay. What are those? You see, you see the little notation there. It says OP. Those are operations. Okay. So those, those are not transactions. Those oh, are. So you're the one that has the most. You so would have the most instance, transactions in because besides you, it says TX. You have Wax has four hundred eight thousand transactions today. Yes. Yes. And so, I, by the way, we know and love the uh, guys who built up Blocktivity. Uh, I originally said to them, you know, you know what most people care about. Like if you were uh, uh, trying to determine how well Amazon was doing, you'd like to know like how many people are buying stuff, right? Uh, you'd like to know how many transactions there are. You would probably be less interested in how many times they move the forklift, right? Or how many times the bay doors at our distribution center went up and down. I don't want to be critical, but but looking at operations to me doesn't really say anything to you. So. Uh, it might take 20 operations on the EOS blockchain for a transaction to be completed. But don't what you really care about is, are people using this thing? Not how many operations did it take? In fact, the more operations it takes to complete a transaction, I kind of think the worse it is. Well, you know, it used to be on the web that we would count hits, right? And a hit was on a web page every time it would make a call to any image. So, you know, if you had a website and you hit a page, you got the HTML's one hit, but then there's 25 images on there, 25 more hits. So people would say, we have millions of hits on our website, but maybe that was only actually 20,000 viewers. So this is kind of like that. It's identical. That's exactly the example I would use. Like, did an advertiser who wanted to know, did anybody look at the ad you ran on that website? Did they care that it took uh, 42 hits to load up the image? No, they cared about, did a person view it? So this is, I would, but you're right. And so what happened? We eventually, as an industry in the internet, we migrated towards uh, the concept of page views. How many humans are actually looking at what you've built? This is, uh, we're in the hits era of blockchain right now where it's like, gee whiz, my blockchain does a lot of operations. Uh, that's like probably not relevant to the statistics we care to track, which is, are we being successful at getting lots of people around the world to embrace this and use it? You know, one of the things I look at whenever I'm looking at Blocktivity, I mean, I, I get the the whole thought around, well, you know, the activity and operations or whatever, but I want to know how bogged down is is that particular blockchain right yeah. like i'm looking at ethereum right now it's at 62 percent. i'm looking at bitcoin it's at 100 percent. 
Like I'm looking at Ken, it's at over 50% because they had some bad news today. And looking at Wax, I mean, you guys have had over 400,000 transactions today, and you guys are not even using 1%. You're using one-third of 1% exactly. of your capacity right now. So I'm glad you pointed that out. That's a, exactly right. Because we are, we have built this, the WAX protocol, for commercial scale. I mean, you know, blockchains today are not built for commercial scalability. I would describe Ethereum as a, almost a wonderful test net. And it's, it's a great way, user of their virtual machine as a general purpose blockchain to try lots of interesting stuff. But when you move to commercial scalability, A, I need to have high predictability of the cost of a transaction. And B, I need to know I can actually process the transactions my customers expect. When you're sitting around for 45 seconds or a minute for a transaction to be properly confirmed, People don't like waiting that long to check out of their, their, their shopping cart on a website. So that's why the, these like third generation blockchains like Wax, I think A, will have to be built for particular types of industries. And it might be, it might be uh, supply chain. It might be just money transmission. It might be digital goods. But uh, we're, we're in an era where specialized platforms tend to perform much better. And, uh, and, and hence, that's why we, we built Wax. I mean, we knew exactly how. We, we've done it for 20 years. How to allow people to buy and sell virtual items. That's what we've been doing. Now, how to allow them to, to buy and sell blockchain-based virtual items. Well, now you're stuck with some of the, uh, the limitations of blockchain-like speed, and and cost it's it's often a a uh, I, I find in my in my my talks with lots of people who maybe don't use blockchain a lot but they say well isn't it super cheap to do stuff on a blockchain in fact it can be incredibly expensive to do stuff on a blockchain i looked uh, last week i think i was looking at bitcoin and it was four dollars per transaction i mean that's like four times more than what paypal would charge you you know, so um, that's a limitation of what we call the proof of work consensus mechanism. Uh, Wax uses a delegated proof of stake consensus mechanism, which is faster and is cheaper. And, uh, you know, you have to have both of those for broad mainstream adoption. And then, you know, we've taken things a little bit farther. You uh, you mentioned uh, uh, you saw on the on the Opskins website, you saw physical items. Correct. Sneakers. So I mention, I saw sneakers. Yeah. So, so here's, uh, you guys are familiar with Tether? You familiar with Tether? So my partners and I invented Tether. And for your audience, Tether is a, what we did is we uh, uh, tokenized the US dollar. And there were a bunch of reasons why we did that. Uh, it was a, what I would call a charitable project, meaning we weren't intending to make money directly from, from Tether. We needed Tether because at the time, we had what we called alt exchanges. You might remember that term. And that was just a, um, a crypto exchange that didn't accept fiat money. So if they didn't accept fiat money, but you're trading on that exchange, and let's say you get a little nervous about volatility and you think crypto prices are going down, what you would want to do is you'd want to get out of crypto and into USD or whatever currency you wanted. Well, 
The process of trying to find an exchange that would allow you to sell for fiat money, cash out, wire to your bank, trigger a taxable event, and then up, rewind when you want to get back in, was the, that was high friction. And so the idea of Tether was, hey, let's just create a, a, a crypto done on MasterCoin. Uh, and um, whenever anybody would want to uh, exit the volatile crypto, you could just buy this other crypto, which is anchored to a dollar. And uh, pretty much it worked as advertised. It, it, uh, it was a stable coin, right? It didn't go up, it didn't go down. We had always wanted to do more than currency. And so now we get to this concept of tokenization. And I think when most people hear the concept of tokenization, well, you know, what do you guys think when you hear tokenization? What, what, what do people want to tokenize? Well, I mean, the contracts, right? You want to tokenize goods and services. Yeah. People want to tokenize real estate. Yeah. Real estate. Yeah. Real estate, commodities, mm -hmm. and, and right. All of those things I think are interesting, but those are a sideshow, we believe, to tokenizing sneakers, to tokenizing consumer products. So, so we created a dApp called Viral, and Viral is Tether for consumer products. You send us a, a let's say, a $3,000 uh, limited edition collectible Air Jordan sneaker. We put that in a warehouse, and then we issue you a, a wax token that is a claim on that item. What that allows you to do is to trade at the speed of light. So imagine you're a sneakerhead and you're buying and selling stuff on StockX or, or, or eBay. And what do you got to do? You got to list the item. It gets sold. You pox it up. You ship it. The guy gets it, confirms it. He pays you. Let's say that takes, I don't know, a week and costs you $15 in shipping. Uh, or you could trade that uh, sneaker, the digital twin of the sneaker, instantly at the speed of light, that guy gets it. He now can trade it as well, or he can push a button and have it redeemed and mailed to him in a day. So our view was a perfect application for the blockchain would be people who are trading uh, collectible consumer products, think uh, comic books, watches, handbags, sneakers, uh, trading cards, and many other things. Uh, People who actually don't want to, where literally possessing the item is a negative. They just want to own it. So by separating ownership from possession, we have enabled people to truly trade consumer products as though they were stocks. And that means massive trade volume. Uh, it also means you can bring in arbitrageurs at this point people who are just trying to uh, facilitate the liquidity of that market. And so we launched that in uh, December of 2018 on the WAX blockchain. You know, the first uh, item we uploaded was a sneaker. It traded 220 times in 24 hours. Now, I calculated that would take about three years to trade uh, that sneaker that wow. much if I used eBay. So we, we believe that uh, there will be a uh, a growing um, trend towards uh, creating virtual twins of real world consumer products and allowing people to transfer the ownership of those things. It could be a ticket, right? Where you uh, for a for a, a concert, 
Uh, taxi mail that thing, that's sort of difficult. By the way, it might be a digital code. Well, if you mail the digital code, well, how do I know you didn't already redeem that code? So by giving people an ability to trade a digital representation of a physical thing, you, you massively increase the liquidity and the utility of that thing. And for many consumer products, the physical aspect of them is actually secondary to the non-physical characteristics. I mean, you could take something like flowers. Now, if you send your girlfriend a bouquet of flowers, yeah, I'm sure you, know, you look at the stems and there's beauty there, but, but there's also the whole concept of you gave me this beautiful gift, I share it on social media and whatnot. So uh, that would be another thing that would be on the wax blockchain, not yet, but where you would literally have a, a uh, 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 you could, you could uh, viral someone a virtual uh, bouquet of flowers, which they could then take and redeem any time they wanted. Of course, when you, when you have things like truly collectible merchandise, sneakers is what, a, maybe a $25 billion secondary market. Uh, the vast majority of people who are lining up outside of Foot Locker to buy that, that limited edition drop of new sneaker, they'll never put their foot in that sneaker. That thing's immediately going to get listed on eBay or StockX. So we say, well, why not just sell those people, consider it like the tether version of that sneaker, and they can redeem it when they want to, but they can, they're free to trade it instantly. And of course, why is a blockchain so valuable there? Because it negates all of the risks of counterfeiting. Because as we know, when I send you a wax token or I send you a Bitcoin or an Ethereum token, you know instantly with no effort that that's genuine. And that's so powerful from a consumer standpoint. There's no risk that, you know, that $8,000 Bitcoin uh, how do I know, you know, people often will say to me, well, but if you send me in a Bitcoin, how do I know you didn't fake it? Well, that's the magic of the blockchain. What if I, what if, what if you have this pair of shoes uh, that, that you've tokenized or whatever, and I literally want them. I want them to own them. So I got to get all of the tokens for that particular shoe, and then you ship it to me? Oh, there's just one. Yeah, so, so think of it as a certificate that is um, redeemable for the genuine item. So I've now given you this certificate and you have it and it might be the thing. And this is very true of uh, in the sneaker market where there are these limited edition drops where you prepay. Well, now imagine you've prepaid a month in advance for this next limited edition shoe, but you have a fully monetizable token that you could sell to somebody, which is a claim on that item when it arrives. But for many people in the example you used, if you literally want the sneaker, well, then it's no different than buying it on eBay, where in this case, you would just buy it from the individual and say, redeem it now. I want to ask a question about Tether, though. I think it's interesting because, you know, you have done some amazing stuff. I mean, you guys have you've worked on over 40 different blockchain projects. And now Tether is we, we, Joel and I, we've had conversations with other guests about Tether and how, you know, Tether has some flaws. But there's some, you know, the idea of a stable coin to the U.S. dollar makes sense but then i'm i've always asked the question like well you know eventually the u.s dollar is going to crash it's not going to be the world reserve currency what then and my thought was why not have a tether that's tethered to gold or or, or something like that 
Um, what is your thoughts around a tether gold type of thing? Yeah, brilliant and 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 good. And and it, it is. Uh, I know there's a number of projects. Some of them might not be launched that are uh, that are tethering to real world commodities. Uh, I would I would uh, say something though because now there's uh, there's hundreds of these stable coins, right? You created a monster, but, William. Uh, yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> but I came from the Walt Disney Company, where where like service and convenience were the gods we prayed to. Right? We always said consumers pray to the god of convenience. And when it came to developing Tether, our thoughts were. We could make a kind of complicated contraption that where, you know, we would keep the, the, the token stabilized to a dollar by buying or selling Tether on the open market and, and whatnot, sort of like using modern uh, monetary policy techniques to keep currency stable. And, and I was very much against it. And for the simple reason that it had to be a, a design where Anybody could understand it. And I think the beauty of Tether is its simplicity. There, for every Tether token issued, there is a dollar deposited in a bank. And theoretically, though it never has been really necessary, theoretically, you could uh, redeem that currency. You could say, hey, Tether, I want to get this cash. Of course, that would be really slow. A better way to do it is just to sell your tether uh, to somebody else and monetize it that way. But the the convenience and the straightforward simplicity of tether is the reason it trades what three three trillion dollars a year now in tether after five years. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, the annual trading volume of tether is massive, and and I think. Even with, yes, some of the controversies of uh, Bitfinex, who wound up taking it over and running it, uh, and there's been a lot of controversies there. I think they could have done, from a transparency standpoint, they could do things easier. It is a, it is a very, very solid uh, like conceptual concept. One token tied to $1 linked. So with the viral dApp sitting on Wax, it's one token linked to one sneaker, one token linked to one... Uh, jacket, you know, or one comic book. Uh, and uh, I really believe this, um, this notion of creating digital twins of consumer products is going to appeal to a portion of every consumer product market where there are people who are collecting or, or trading and they are not the intended consumer. Because even from something basic like um, the environmental impact of all of these people who buy these limited edition sneakers and then box them up and ship them and, through eBay or StockX, and then those guys get that stuff. And what do they do? They don't wear it either. They go box it up and resell and resell and resell. Uh, you know. Uh, well, if you never actually needed the thing, the physical thing, why not just sell the digital claim to it? And by the way, this is called a stock certificate, right? How do we trade stocks? Before our time, people would actually send the physical stock certificate until somebody said, wouldn't it make more sense to just put the stock certificate somewhere safe and just trade a digital representation of it? So uh, think of like viral as just uh, turning consumer products into stocks. 
So let me ask you this, William, as we get ready to close out here. If I own Wax, I see that you have staking, uh, which gives you voting rights and some other benefits. So briefly share yep. how, how I would stake and what I would get if I did. Right. So the uh, for those who are familiar with the delegated proof of stake consensus mechanism, uh, that is a, uh, you know, it's different from proof of work, but it's a way to validate transactions. And the way those transactions get validated is block producers, what we call guilds, go and uh, do the work to authenticate a transaction. And there is a, um, a certain amount of tokens that those guilds get as a reward for the work. Like in proof of work, you have people who mine and they get a reward for processing a token in, in, in um, delegate proof of stake. The guilds that go and do the work, they get a certain amount of tokens for that. And if you are a holder of wax, you can stake your tokens, which means you, know, you uh, essentially lock them up is the way to think about it. And in, um, uh, in exchange for doing that, you get a reward, a stake reward, paid out daily. And that, that reward uh, is at uh, 2% uh, when we launch. So it's like a 2% yield. And uh, it can be adjusted up or down. Uh, also, and this is a very important piece, um, uh, when right now every WAX is traded as an ERC-20 token, uh, that was what the uh, token generation event was it was ERC twenty? So people are going to on June thirty exchange their ERC twenty Ethereum wax tokens for the um, the DPoS based wax token. When they do that, uh, if you give us a thousand of your ERC twenty tokens, we're going to give you a thousand state wax DPoS tokens, and they will earn up to double. Every token will double. So you'll, for each token, you will get up to two tokens if you keep them staked over 36 months. So you can only do that in the token upgrade. Uh, that is what we call the Genesis block uh, upgrade. So when you do that, if you keep those tokens we give you staked, you would get effectively 33% uh, yield on those tokens over three years. So is there that, a time period that you have to swap them out or yeah, what, you know, any yes. the upgrade begins on June 30. And uh, uh, right now it's planned to be completed on August 30. Uh, and so this is what people have been waiting for uh, to uh, get the uh, purpose built digital goods blockchain called wax. And uh, uh, we're trying to make the upgrade process really straightforward so that uh, uh, you know you don't have to be a, a computer scientist to figure out how to do it. Uh, hopefully, we've succeeded there, and then we expect uh, to have uh, lots of DApps. Uh, we've made it backward compatible with EOS, so any DApp that works on EOS is going to work on a Wax with very little effort. And of course, we have the services layer, which I think is a really differentiator. People are going to be able to register for accounts, trade, and then even sell those items on the Opskins marketplace. Uh, it, it'll be much more uh, user-friendly than, than a traditional, what we've seen so far with blockchain-based companies. Wow. There's there's so much to go into here, and uh, 
we really appreciate it. Travis, is your is your mind buzzing with the possibilities of virtual goods? No, because I don't have any wax. <laughs> but you can, Travis. You can. You're, you're you can, buzzing. You can tokenize your shoes, Travis. Oh you man, can I'm going a... to. Can I? Can I tokenize my my uh, Ronnie Mo ass Crocs? <laughs> <laughs> We will see. Uh, yeah, we will see. I believe in the next five years, there will be a massive number of of uh, traded NFTs, whatever you want to call them, digital items. Uh, uh, it will be a bigger and bigger part of e-commerce. And, uh, you know, we built our blockchain in order to make it much easier for people to do that. We can actually create our own stickers on here, Travis, wax.io forward slash stickers. You create your free stickers. And I guess, uh, do those go on the blockchain then? Does those become a virtual yes, item? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And there are millions of stickers that get traded a week. Wow. I mean, people love trading these stickers because, you know, there's like social media influencers who can go and create some cool limited edition sticker and then give it out to their, to their uh, fan base. So, uh, uh, you know, and then of course, because these things are all smart contracts, you can see where this is going to go, where you can embed video, you can embed uh, logic so that the 50th guy to trade it gets a prize. Uh, this is where blockchain with smart contracts really changes the way products get promoted. People uh, share information. Uh, there's a lot of great branding ideas that are going to come out of this. Yeah. Now I can that tell you're a true innovator in the space, and I really appreciate all you've done so far for this industry. I mean, you built it. I mean, you built Tether. You worked on Mastercoin. You did a bunch of other things, and and now you are taking on the whole virtual goods space. I think it's I think it's phenomenal. Now he's waxing well, the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, the website is wax.io. There's op opskins, opskins.com, and you can check that out there. And uh, William Quigley, CEO of Wax, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, guys. Super cool stuff with Wax, wax.io, to check it out for yourself. I am not a financial advisor, but I have a hunch that this is a big deal. And uh, full disclosure, I have invested some of my own Satoshis in some wax. I have not. And uh, this is also, what did you say this was? You said this was intervention? <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Satoshis, there is, uh, I, I went to Fiverr mm -hmm. and I asked um, an artist there to create a mascot for bad crypto podcasts, mm -hmm. which would essentially be, you know, a bad coin with personality, with arms, legs and eyes and all. And they did. Uh, you put some cool sneakers on him and he needs a name now. Uh, so I want to just go here to read some of the suggestions because you guys need to go look at this on the bad crypto mastermind. In fact, I will link directly in the show notes to the post on the Bad Crypto Mastermind. So if you go to badco.in forward slash 279, you'll find the uh, link to the Facebook page. But so far, some of the names, I came up with Bad Toshi, mm -hmm. okay? But we've got some others here. We've got John Badafi. Uh, we've got Ronnie Badass, Satoshi Badamoto, Badamir Putin, huh. and perhaps my favorite so far, Badoff Bitler. <laughs> Wow. 
I just like it. I like it. Baddies. You know, he's, he's a baddie. Baddie. Uh, you mentioned baddie yeah. bad coin because there's yeah. that one. There's something. There was something in some movie where I think it was somebody on the Nazis finally realized and they go, are we the baddies? What movie is that from? Do you remember? <laughs> uh, I don't remember, You've but it was meme, definitely probably. a comedy. I, I've seen the meme many yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe we're the baddies. Anyway, go to the Bad Crypto Mastermind. Follow the link in the show notes to go there. Give us your opinion. Take a look at our mascot. Let you know uh, what uh, let us know what you think. And maybe just maybe at World Crypticon in October, we'll have a costume that will have somebody wearing because last year there was somebody in a Bitcoin costume mm-hmm. and a Litecoin costume. Yeah, I can tell you it probably won't be me. Probably won't be me wearing that. <laughs> All right. Speaking of World Crypticon, let's check in with Adam Williams and find out what's happening and where you need to be this October. It seems like just yesterday, but it was last October that Mr. Travis Wright and I were in Las Vegas at the Aria Hotel for the now infamous World Crypticon. And that was a great time, wasn't it, Trav? Was it infamous? Yeah, it was infamous. Oh, okay. I thought it was pretty awesome. There is, you know, we've been to a lot of conferences. And one thing I think about that conference was that there was so many amazing people at the event, which was which was awesome for it being a first-time event. Not only were the speakers great, but the the sponsors that were in the expo were great and lot we had a lot of amazing conversations just out networking so i really enjoyed that yeah and the event is put on by evolve events it's e v o l v and uh, here with us today to talk about the upcoming world crypticon 2019 and vegas blockchain week is the one the only adam williams <sighs> hey adam my bad crypto brothers how have you guys been we are well and uh, excited to do this again the crowd's yeah, still going wild we are doing it again so it must have went well the first time because uh we're back and we're back bigger than ever we're excited we've moved over to the or you didn't learn your lesson the first time one of the two <laughs> absolutely yeah, you didn't take that spanking and go home because, uh, you know what, it was a really good event and you guys did a great job. You had thousands of people show up and uh, we had a great time emceeing the event as well as performing Bad Crypto Live on stage. We had some interesting mic drops happen there on the stage. You remember? I do. Yeah, I, I, if I remember right, a bet went down between uh, Ronnie and Vinny on that statement mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to remember what was it was twenty eight thousand is what ronnie said right trev i think he said twenty five thousand twenty thousand twenty five thousand i'm not sure i don't remember but now was that was that by the end of this year or 2020 i think it's by the end of 2020 so we're gonna have to wait again uh we won't get we won't get that bet settled this year but um, i thought it was by the know. end of ni- 2019 the way that was next cold. year by the end of next year the way been 2019 Wow, uh, Ronnie might take that one home. We'll see. Well, I hope so. We need to go back and revisit that um, that video from last year so that we have our facts straight. But you have moved the event for this year to the Cosmopolitan. So why don't you fill us in a little bit about what's going on? We did, yeah. So we are expanding this year. And we, we had the event at the Aria last year in Las Vegas, as everybody knows, that was there. We wanted to turn it up a notch, and uh, the only way to really top that was to move it over to Cosmopolitan. 
So for anybody that is uh, frequenting Las Vegas, they know that Cosmopolitan has a really hip vibe to it. Uh, it's it's very kind of uh, swanky and edgy and and fun and exciting. And they just did a $200 million renovation over there, uh, which they updated all of their rooms and all of their meeting space. So we take over two levels of their meeting space for an entire week this year. And we've expanded the event to include uh, Vegas Blockchain Week, which has several events that we can touch on and talk about. But um, but yeah, Cosmopolitan it is. So the, so the Cosmopolitan has been totally renovated, so it doesn't smell like cigarette smoke is bad? <laughs> you really don't smell any cigarettes in these nicer, newer hotels anymore. You know, you go down to the Flamingo, probably kind of stinky in there. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, actually, they got some really good air filtration systems or something because you can't even tell. And you walk by and you see people smoking up and you know smoking up crazy. But uh, it's interesting. So what is? So I know I think you guys learned your lesson from last year, whereas you had Halloween on the first day of the concert and conference. This year, Halloween is at the end of the conference, so people can get their party on, yeah? Yeah, we. <laughs> that was interesting last year. It just happened to fall on those dates to where we kicked it off with a big party for Halloween and, of course, Bitcoin's birthday celebration. Um, and, yeah, people kind of stumbled in the next day a little late, a little hungover. So I, I did not. That's not true. We decided to edge the dates back, and Halloween is actually on the last day of the entire week this year so that people can celebrate and have a good time and not have to worry about learning the next day. I just want to know, are our faces going to be on the billboard of the uh, hotel again? Because last year, it was fun seeing our, our faces there on the Aria. You know, we're working on a big surprise this year for that. It's not locked down yet. It's not done. But last year, as you know, we had your faces on the Aria Marquee, which at that time was the largest sign on Las Vegas Boulevard. Uh, there is a new king of that throne. There is a uh, 272 foot tall by 50 foot LED wall uh, there in Las Vegas, which you can pretty much see from outer space. And we're working on that, but it's not done yet. So if we get that done, bet your butts, you're going to have some big faces in Las Vegas that week. Our, our butts are going to be on the billboard? Uh, no, no, bet your I don't, butts. You're, you're, we'll put your faces on, not your butts. I don't, I don't know if my head can get any bigger. <laughs> Let's try. <laughs> we, don't, we don't even put our faces up on these big walls. That's crazy. Um, that's you great. guys, I got a I got a question for you guys real quick. You guys both played in WCPT last year, which is World Crypto Poker Tournament. And uh, I think you had a great time. I know everybody else that played had a, had a really great time. I had a fun time myself. Will you guys be joining us for the poker tournament again this year? It's I just want to say I can neither confirm nor deny that I was the last out of our group that was still playing. I think Travis went out first, and you went out pretty quickly, no, too. No, Adam went out first. I went out first. I was out third overall and knocked out by Scotty Wynn. But that's a good way to go. And, of course, we're going to be playing again. Duh. Uh, what is the buy-in? Uh, the buy-in is it's all done in Bitcoin. So we, we'll go over that a little bit. So the way we did it last year was we opened the buy-ins like a week and a half, two weeks before the actual event. Yeah. And it was a madhouse. It sold out immediately. We only had 81 seats and we had a line out the door of people that were, were, were pretty ticked off that they couldn't get into play, but it's first come, first serve. 
So this year, what we did is we expanded it. It's at the same venue as last year, Poker Go Studio in Las Vegas. We're expanding it, uh, same amount of tables. So it'll be eight tables plus a final, nine tables total. But we were able to expand it by an hour on each side. So the duration's a little longer and we're, we added players. So we're going to have a total of 135 seats available. And what we're doing this year is we opened it up. The first 20 seats were available on uh, June 4th, I believe, is when we released those. And we'll be releasing 20 seats each month. So we've created a waiting list. So anybody that wants to uh, get into play, just go to uh, worldcryptocon.com and find the entertainment uh, page and click on poker tournament and you can apply there and join the waiting list. And the way the buy-ins work is it's all done in Bitcoin. All the buyouts and all the payouts are done in Bitcoin. There is a seat fee because, of course, we have to pay for the event. Uh, and then there, uh, the actual buy-in is 0.10 Bitcoin, so a tenth of a Bitcoin. And we give... 5% of the pot over to Hawk, which is the charity that we donated to last year. And then the other 95% is all broken up between the final table winners. So it's a pretty hefty prize depending on what Bitcoin does between now and now. My goodness, that could be crazy knowing that Bitcoin right now is at, you know, 9,250 bucks or so. So like one tenth of a Bitcoin is a $925 buy-in, which is not too bad, I guess, if everybody's in there with their cryptos. That could be one heck of a payday for somebody. Yeah, I mean, who knows? If see Bitcoin hit 20, 25 grand again in October, that payday could crest over... Uh, over uh, six figures. Are you a financial advisor, Adam? I am definitely not a financial advisor, but I'm an optimist. You're I like optimist. that. So nine tables, 135 players. That's great. Yeah, it, it was really fun last year. And, and uh, there was a lot of poker stars that were part of that tournament as well. Do we expect that same thing to happen again this year? It will be the same this year. Yeah, Phil Helmuth actually played and hosted the event last year, which was a lot of fun. Um, and so what we're going to do is again, this year, each table will have a poker pro and a crypto celebrity. So last year when I sat down at my table, I was sitting with, uh, Scotty Wynn on my right and Charlie Shrim on my left. Have no idea who will be sitting there this year, but will definitely be a lot of fun. Yeah. Shrim's to the left of me, Scotty to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Okay. never yeah. mind. I thought you guys would know no, that's that. That's a great one. time. Of course. Yeah. It's a classic Steelers wheel song. Song. So we are not uh, we're, we're going to be doing our show again this year on the stage and it's going to be bad crypto live. And uh, there's a lot of other things going on on the stage. So maybe give us a quick overview of some of the the major speakers that you've got. Absolutely. Yeah. So like we discussed early on, we have expanded the event to an entire week, which is Vegas blockchain week can also be seen on the website. And we had a lot of really great events come in and lock arms with us. So World Crypto Conference will be the kind of nucleus or the big event at the end of the week, October 29th through October 31st. But in the same space at the Cosmopolitan, we have Coin Agenda, which is Michael Turpin's um, uh, digital, asset, digital asset investing event joining us on October 26th through the 28th. We have EOS Alliance Summit, which is going to be hosted by Brock Pierce. We have Charlie Shrim doing his, I believe it's his fifth one of these he's done, his Crypto IQ trading event. Uh, Litecoin Summit is doing their second annual event with us, October 28th and 29th, of course, hosted by uh, Litecoin Foundation. And they have a lot of great speakers that are going to be there, including Charlie Lee. Uh, we're doing our poker tournament again on the 29th. And then WCC, uh, same as last year, but it's going to be bigger and better. 
And what we're really excited about this year is we're also doing a developer conference. So the same dates, October 30th and 31st, we're hosting WCC DevCon. And that's a multiple blockchain developer conference. So we already have several major blockchains and interoperability solutions joining us. And we're working on gathering more, but there's going to be a hackathon and a full-on main stage seating for about 600 and, and a full production developer conference happening at the same time as WCC. And then we've also expanded our mining conference. So WCC Mine 2019 will be happening at the same time in its own ballroom. So it's going to be a week to remember. Um, there. Yeah, that's not enough events. Could we could we pack more in, please, Adam? Because I, I don't feel like there's going to be anything to do. It sounds really well, boring. Believe it or not, we're actually believe it or not, we're actually working on three to four others as we speak that uh, are just in the final stages of uh, finalizing, so to speak. We I think we'll end up having between ten and twelve events happening within that week, all right there at the Cosmopolitan. That's great. My voice my voice will be gone by like by the twenty seventh. <laughs> maybe you should learn how to take care of your voice travis <laughs> maybe i should not maybe i should not be talking to all these people just so you be quiet uh, you know i don't know there's so you you definitely uh when we get into a situation where it's loud you tend to lose your voice after a day or yeah, two so we're gonna pour honey down your throat that's good i i have i'll bring some honey for myself this is good so i, I like this is great the litecoin summit joel and i were at the first annual litecoin summit last year which was a great hit that was actually in san jose so it's cool to see that they're bringing it in part of uh of the vegas blockchain week there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of great speakers who are some of the speakers that you guys have lined up uh, and set up in stone for for uh world CryptoCon this year yeah, so we've got about 40 confirmed so far, and we'll round out for World CryptoCon itself at about 150 speakers. Um, but some of the notables that we have are um, uh, Travis Wright and Joel Com of the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm not sure if those, you know those are the Those are the unnotables. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty incredible speakers if you haven't heard, heard or seen them uh, live. We have uh, Stan Larimer, the godfather of BitShares, will be speaking. Rachel Wolfson, who you guys know very well, uh, she'll be speaking and hosting some panels. Uh, Pei Chen from Consensus. Paul Pewey is coming back from Edge. We really like Paul. He, he's, pew, he pew. Always, he's always good to go. Michael Turpin will be speaking at, uh, at WCC. Uh, and then we have several. We've really gone down the path this year of, of Enterprise. So um, some notables in the enterprise, you know, we've got Brian Bellendorf, uh, Hyperledger, that they do, they do a lot with, um, with IBM. And then a few speakers from IBM as well. Catherine Harrison is, is one of the ones that's going to be there. Chris Ward from PN, PNC and on and on. I mean, just go to the website and you can see everybody listed. We update pretty much every week, but uh, it's going to be the best of the best. Mm -hmm. We're still actually... One reach out to Elon Musk, though. If, if Elon Musk is listening to the show, we would love to get you there. Oh, let me, I'm, te I'm texting him for you right now. Elon, Adam wants you at WCC. You'll be there, right? He's going, what's okay, that? I'm he's, he's more of a waiting here kind of guy. Hey, actually, a tweet just came in, right? Literally, <laughs> right now. It says, hey, Tone Vase, Joel Com, TW, please do whatever you can. In no way should Ronnie Moas be allowed near the stage of World Crypto. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That I, that's hilarious. Like literally we're chatting with a guy who's who's uh, creating World CryptoCon. So that's just a tweet that came in from at Rob Licker, which is it has to be a tough name to go through life. 
<laughs> Rob Licker. He, he, he must be listening. He must be listening live. I didn't know you had the show That's, live. That can't happen. Excellent. Well, hey, this is going to be a great event. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, guys. Well, again, we're so excited to have you guys back this year. Last year was a, a great time. You guys did an amazing job hosting and doing your your Bad Crypto Live show and Token Tank Live. Uh, and we're going to be going round two this year. So excited to see you guys in Las Vegas. So Token Tank, there needs to be some people. Maybe if they if there's some people out there with a, a cool crypto project, what is the what's the Token Tank details this year, and how can how can uh, crypto projects get involved? Yeah, again, uh, we we did Token Tank Live last year, and it was a huge success. Go to WorldCryptoCon.com, and you hover over WCC 2019. Click on Token Tank. You can get all of the information there, but we're going to be taking on a very limited number. Only 10 companies will be selected to participate. There is a fee to participate in Token Tank, uh, but there are some pretty big prize packages to be announced. So, so yeah, come join in the fun. Prize packages. WorldCrypticon.com. And uh, last year we did a meetup. Mr. Travis, right? And I think that we'll probably end up doing something like that again while we're in Vegas. So if you guys are going to come out, we'll make sure that there is a special time and place set up so that Bad Cryptopia can have its own little soiree. And we'll yeah. keep This posted. sounds like a much, much bigger deal this year. I mean, last year was fun and exciting, but oh my goodness, now there's so many events and so many opportunities to meet so many amazing people who are in the crypto space and even play some poker with some awesome people. So what a fun time. This is this is a over the top amazing fun event. So if you guys are if you guys didn't come last year and you thought about it, you know, now hopefully crypto winter's over and maybe you want to cruise on over and hang out. I guarantee it's going to be a good time. Crypto summer. So what are you guys waiting for? Go get your tickets. Vegas Blockchain Week is going to be a big deal. It's going to be great fun. We're going to be there. You should be there as well. And I can't think of any better way to spend the last week of October. Oh, Halloween is interesting in Vegas. I can say that. Oh, we had a great time. Uh, you know, the pictures are out there. But last year, I was uh, Willy Wonka. And Aaron, our producer, was an Oompa Loompa. And you were Doc Brown. From that was. That was fun. And there was, you know, we actually had a conversation with somebody else who was there the other day from a company, and they were the guys that were holding bags. They had like big trash cans full of, of their crypto bags. So that was good stuff. Fun times. I tell you what, uh, I would not miss that one. I think uh, the event in New York City was great. Consensus, amazing event. Really love that. We're actually heading out to, um, we're heading out to San Francisco this next week for Bitcoin 2019. And today, Mr. Joel Kahn, are we going to talk about this today? Today's June 21st. Let's talk about this now. Just yeah, just so you guys know, we're recording this on June 21st, even though the episode um, comes out on June the 23rd, I believe, because we're going to be leaving town. And Mr. Travis Wright, um, go ahead. You you introduce what happened. So so today, Bitcoin hit 10,000. But I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks ago or so, whenever that was, we recorded a show with the uh, crypto... Coin traders is that was that what that group is on Facebook? That's got like a hundred thousand. I believe yeah. so. With uh, Joe Buck, Buckingham or something. What's his name? Joe, you can't remember. Yeah, Joe Bla- Joe Blackburn. Joe Blackburn. Yes, yes. Let's say that yeah. Mr. Joe Blackburn. And uh, we had a we had a live stream with him. And I had predicted. I said, you know, and I think Bitcoin was still it was under nine then. I said it's going to hit ten thousand on June twenty first because it's the first day of summer, and it would be great to have it be the first day of crypto summer as well. And boom, 
just like that. There you go. You were right, Mr. Travis. Right. You are. What's what's the name? Nostradamus. Oh no, I'm Nostradamus. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Well, <laughs> hey, we're halfway back to the all-time high, and remember, Bitcoin is dead. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Until then, stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. I foresee many things in my magic ball. What about your magic balls? I am holding them in bags. <laughs> Uh, oh my. Mm. Who's bad?